Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. And today we have with us... Uh, Justin LeVon. And Brandon Flone. And they're both with the Void Sake Company. Did I get that right, guys? Yep. yep. All right, yeah. just want to make sure. Um, so today we're going to be talking a little bit about what, Brittany? <laughs> sake. Not, not sake. <laughs> it's like, why Sorry, are you doing I this? I felt like I just took over there at that oh, point, no, and yeah, I was like, I need to me. hand it back. <laughs> Believe um, me, you guys are fine. So we've had this great opportunity to come in and talk about some sake, and uh, not only to talk about uh, and taste it, but to, to kind of go through the process and uh, go through a little bit of what makes um, this sake company here in Lexington, Kentucky, different. Um, then, what than the other sake company <laughs> that doesn't exist. So well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> right. It should be pointed out, our knowledge base has been woefully lacking in certain areas. So for the show, I'm sure it's of no news to anyone that we've been focusing on a lot of things that we don't know a lot about recently, because we want to know. So wine has been a huge part of the show recently. We've been uh, we've been <laughs> balls deep in a lot of wine. And so we did a sake episode. It's was that comfortable. <laughs> what was that, like year two? That we did the sake episode. I, think so. I can't even Don't remember. We didn't know <laughs> <laughs> it exists. You can get some general history of yeah. You get some general history and us screwing up pronouncing a lot of things. Oh, that's, I mean, that's not. But that was the show. what was what was everyone's consensus there. I know I can go back and remember that I decided don't like sake. Uh, no, I was like, yeah. I mean, it's it's good depending on what you get. That's the point. I was going to say, because what we got was all mass market, just like diluted whatever crap you can get at the liquor store. To whereas now, we're lucky enough to be coming into the craft sake world. Which is really nice. So, tell us a little bit about uh, Void and um, a little bit about the business, the kind of the, the thought process behind it. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, for starters, Justin and I met uh, way back a few years ago. He started working uh, at Ethereal Brewing, where I work at. Mm -hmm. And uh, from there, we uh, we just kind of explored fermentation. And uh, we had this uh, really neat event there where we were inspired by Japanese cuisine. So uh, we discovered Koji. And yeah, I, I remember that event. That was a that was a fun day. It was. It was a very fun day. And Koji just blew our minds. And so kind of from there, we just... Uh, Kept exploring it, really looked into like making sake, which is really a lot different than what you expect. And uh, we we were just we were enamored by it, so we just kept going with it. And uh, from there, we kind of were exploring like the possibility of you know a sake brewery. Um, Justin had always wanted to open up a meadery, but weren't really weren't sure if a meadery is like you know what needs to be uh, going on in Kentucky. I don't you know they're kind of up nationally, but there's just such a uh, a uniqueness about a sake brewery and a you know there's only 20 or so craft sake breweries in america um there's a lot more wow. meaderies and there's a whole bunch more breweries yeah <laughs> so we kind of just explored that idea a bit justin started doing a lot of research and design doing some small scale sake batches at home and we just kept refining the process and tasting and uh you know reached out to several other craft sake breweries around america which is you know it's just like the brewing industry where everybody is so helpful and really just wants to see you succeed i mean they were super excited that another you know sake brewery is possibly going to open up so yeah uh, i have to imagine there's like so someone else is in the club come on let's, <laughs> yeah. let's tell you what we know what have you thought of yes let me let me share some of that too i want to <laughs> yeah definitely so. yeah we truly stand on the shoulders of giants like because brooklyn cora and brooklyn helped us a lot mm. north american sake also um, and proper down in Nashville. Oh, okay. so they gave us a lot of insights on like equipment, processes, um, 
and just general like you know market trends and like what do they see like getting getting their their insight on the industry all so. right yeah so tell us a little bit about the space here because you talked a little bit about you know it's it's not a huge space but you've kind of got some some room potentially to grow and and so what you're doing here in this amount of space is actually i think pretty amazing uh tell us a little bit about that well the um right now we're in it's like an industrial complex. So there's, um, but there's a bunch of different, it's an industrial complex that was converted into like a bunch of shops. And so in that one area we're nestled in and the space itself, it's about 1800 square feet, but it's, it functions as our retail and taproom space and also our production space. And so basically everything goes on in this space. And if you ever come by your space, you'll see it, it goes from front to back in terms of processes where we do our wa- or, uh, washing, soaking, steaming, uh, koji making, and, um, and fermentation. So, um, and it's, everything is pretty much on wheels. So everything is mobile, because uh, we knew that we were going to be working with a small space. Yeah. Um, what size batches are you doing right now whenever you do a normal, your normal, I guess that's, that's early in the process to say what normal is. But yeah. But kind of what are you looking for now? Right now, uh, our batch sizes are 600 liters. Um, we have the capacity to grow up to 1,000 in those tanks. Uh, but, yeah, roughly it's about 600 liters awesome. per batch. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to ask about, so you guys came from Ethereal. Were you just playing also into that with when you went with the name and, like, the theming of the Void? like ethereal the void like to me like in my like D and like warhammer mind and just like it's, so it's just it's almost an extension theming wise yeah we didn't really intend for that uh honestly <laughs> so it actually does have some D roots so justin myself joe our third partner and a few other friends we have a D group and we just did uh we did a campaign that was kind of like i don't know they're giant sea creatures and things like that and we just kind of I mean, I was just freshly into D&D as well, so I was just getting really inspired by a lot of the imagery and, and uh, the whole, you know, the whole... Uh, Tentacle theme. Yeah. <laughs> Lovecraftian horror yeah, nightmare. Yeah, definitely. And there's, like, you know, you have that kind of, some of those elements in D&D as well. So yeah. we just kind of explored that. Uh, and, I mean, the imagery is just so cool. There's just so much you can do with it. So we're kind of taking it, trying not to fall into, like, the ethereal kind of stuff. You know, we're definitely doing a lot more, like, tentacle and... Nautical, yeah, base kind interdimensional of monster theme. Yeah, I mean, more you could, out there, I'd say. You could do some like Warhammer 40k stuff with that from like yeah. the warp and some. <laughs> yeah, Nurgle might show up on one of the labels. I'm sharing, so. Some horrible like Zeech stuff showing up. Yeah. So. You you touched on, and I think we need to go through because our previous. Um, explanation of the process i think was elementary at its very best i think Um, it could be summed up uh saying it's like brewing with extra steps (laughs) well okay i guess the other clarification and question to ask is because everyone i told everyone where we were going and what it was they're like you mean the distillery right because they're like it's a spirit and i was like good question (laughs) i'll be sure to ask it but i'm pretty sure it's brewing not distilling so yeah, define that for us. Uh, tell us a little bit about, I know there's some weirdness between the state and national levels on, on licensing. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I guess at its like root, or its, its simplest, sake is just fermented rice. Um, 
but it is brewed like a beer. That's what we tell people. It's brewed like a beer. We're a sake brewery. Um, it's in the U.S. Uh, there's some language barriers, and then uh, trying to classificate it or classify it in something in our current system that doesn't really fit. So it's often called rice wine. Well, you also have barley wines, and you also <laughs> have honey wines. So really, it's just it's a higher proof or alcohol. So that's where that language comes from. Uh, but because of that, they and then also some uh, types of sake also use uh, brewer's alcohol or uh, lightly dispilled spirits back into it to dilute it. And that was in the history just to get more volume out of it. Um, without going too much into the weeds, that usually came about in World War II when rice was, <laughs> was short, short. And, and then they were like, well, start. we can, instead of water or using more rice, we can just add alcohol to it and get it. So that's where that um, language of a distillery or a distilled spirit, I think, came from. And and but. so the distilled spirit that they used at that time, it would have been something else other than like a rice dispil- distilled spirit. Probably. I think it, it – I'm not sure the answer to that, but I, it's – just called brews alcohol. Probably it oh, okay. may have been with sugar cane or rice or just whatever they a had. Neutral grain sp- or yeah, a neutral, neutral spirit. Neutral, of neutral some grain sort. spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Right. So you started off with washing the mm-hmm. washing phase. Well, let's take a step back. I guess let's let's talk about the rice and and the the main product that you're using here. Um, it's we've not, got. It's not like right off the table you know, you or you don't, shelf. You, you don't go down to Kroger and buy a. It's not a bag, of Uncle Ben's. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's talk a little bit about mm-hmm. like what kind because you know we we see on on the shelves jasmine rice we see mm-hmm. um, um, long grain rice those types of things what kind of rice are you starting with here yeah generally in sake making you want to use uh, well we use uh, short or medium grain rice um, that's been milled down it's not like crushed but basically the outside layers have been like sloughed off kind of polish yeah, yeah like a yeah like a polish um table rice is normally polished to about 90 percent meaning that like it's 90 percent of its original weight uh in sake making you want to remove as much of the outer layers as you can because that does it gives it more robust flavor but also can give it some off flavors so that's why they mill it lower so they can get a re- more refined like product um, and you're getting more starches and less of the the stuff that they don't want. So typically, sake rice or higher grade premium sakis are anywhere from seventy percent or lower. So like with ours, we use seventy percent uh, Calrose rice, which is just a, an American-grown uh, rice that's related to some of the original Japanese strains, but just grown for U.S. consumers. Yeah, yeah I would I would also note that sake rice is made for brewing sake yes. it's not uh, made yeah. for consumption otherwise so it's kind of like cider apples yeah like that's so a good comparison you, yeah you wouldn't want that normally <laughs> yeah so. what what is it about Says you uh, it, that makes it i think better for the the flavor and what you're getting in, in sake versus what you're wanting to eat on the table what what are the kind of the two different or what are the things that kind of separate it out um, the higher uh, higher starch content for oh, sure gotcha yeah. like plumper grains pretty much yeah and yeah. they're more like so, if you look at some rice, the the endosperm is pretty loosely spread throughout the whole, or all the starches are loosely spread throughout the whole like inner part. Sake rice, it's grown to like concentrate all of that into the middle, 
so that they can remove more and more of the outer layers, but still get as much starch as they can. Okay. Mm-hmm. So after you've got your your rice supplied from whatever supplier that is, and it's been polished, um, you, it's got a lot of that stuff still on the outside, right? Yeah. So that gets us to the the washing phase, I guess. Yeah, just like you wash like table rice. Uh, otherwise, it makes stinky rice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you wash that away, uh, and it's really just the like rice flour, talc, or whatever they use to, to grind or, or polish that away. Um, rice polishing with the with sake rice is very different. They ha- they don't use like a um, like a grinding wheel. It's more like a it's a vertical mill. So basically, they uh, conveyor it up, drop it in, and it just kind of bounces around and just kind of like nicks off the outside. Plinkos till finished. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Plinko till done. All right. But it, so it's it's a very slow, laborious polishing step, and um, like for, to basically, just to give and kind of give you an idea, um, when you're milling seventy percent, it usually takes like a couple of hours to get that extra ten percent. It's like several more hours, so it's not like a linear. Like, oh, it's just 10%. It should take 10% more time. No, it's considerably longer because you don't want to damage the grain because you want the grains intact. Yeah, if they heat up during that process, they'll crack. So mm-hmm. you want to keep it slow and low, and it can take days at a time to get some of the finer polishing rates. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So washing, yeah. So going to that, we're, we're removing the, the, the dust and stuff from, milling, from polishing. Um, and then once that's all... Uh, washed away then we soak the rice because when we're steaming we we don't want to like i guess steam the entire fully gelatinize or fully convert the entire grain we just want the inside moisture to to heat up and cook the rice not like when you're in a uh like an instant pot and it's fully gelatinized and just breaks apart super easy okay so you kind of want some some you want Probably some moisture the, inside sure. of it, yeah. and that's what cooks it. And, and the you're really heating that inside, the water that's already mm-hmm. inside of it, rather than adding anything in the, yes. in the steam process. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, yeah, that helps us make a, I call it an al dente rice, but <laughs> it's something where I can easily manipulate it, work it, and separate the grains. Um, but all of this helps to give a more controlled, consistent fermentation. Uh, so, like, if you have cracks, um, then the water is going to, more water is going to absorb in, then the rice isn't going to dissolve properly, and then yeah. you're just going to get, like, a huge sugar load. So, so, is there anything other than just kind of, like, feel, or is there some way you can particularly see that, like, oh, no, this this messed up, can't use this? <laughs> it's a lot of feel, yeah. <laughs> it is a lot of, like, experience, and you're, like, you look, like, as it's soaking, I'll get, like, a black, like, plate and like look at like get a representative sample and look the grains and be like all right that looks good or it's absorbed Mm -hmm. about you know what i like or there's a lot of cracks and be like damn it (laughs) and i guess if if, if there are a lot of cracks it's just this batch is no good no or is there salvaging you can well so yeah you you at that point you would give like a go no go Mm -hmm. but there will be some cracking in there just from process and handling but it it lets you know what to expect okay more or less okay uh and so then i guess by that stage you've you've got a bunch of 
beginning to cook rice. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, you're going to need rice that can break down, actually turn into sugars, mm-hmm. uh, which rice does not do. Yeah. Like beer <laughs> brewing, you have malted barley, and so you're using the embryo right. to produce those enzymes. Rice, that embryo has been scratched away, okay. so it's no longer there. So we use other organisms, and that's where the koji mold comes mm-hmm. from. And so we culture that on freshly steamed rice, and that produces our enzymes okay. that will break down the starches into sugar for the yeast. And uh, one of the really cool things uh, we got to see today was your koji room. Mm-hmm. And to see that that those wood-lined walls, the cedar, I guess it was, mm-hmm. lined walls. It's It smells amazing <laughs> in there. It's like walking. It's like a sauna that smells. It's just awesome. It just smells awesome. And I have, I have to imagine to get everything you need in there, it turns into a sauna. Oh, yeah. From a hot, moist rice room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, now I'm all sticky. <laughs> Covered in rice. Oh, so. yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah. One, one thing you learn quickly about sake making is it is a very laborious, very hands-on process. It feels like that's the, that's just <laughs> something about most things from, like, a Japanese. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, Definitely. what do you do? I'm going to work the hardest I possibly can to make something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't there an easier way to do this? Yes. That's not what we're doing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, there's automated koji machines, but people are like, no, that's bad. <laughs> I must have my hands in it and on it. And I like mean, it just <laughs> feels more authentic at that point. <laughs> and you can catch things. Like you were saying, you look at the rice as you're steaming it to make sure that, that this is the right direction you're going in. I think mm-hmm. being able to catch those things as you go through the process lets you kind of, if you're using some of the machinery, you may not get that, that same catch. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. And you, you, yeah, you see it throughout the whole process, and you you get there's a connection that you get with it. Um, that you know, I'm basically touching this. It's like a very sensory thing. There's tactile, mm-hmm. visual, uh, like I'm smelling it. Like when I'm doing the koji, if it doesn't smell right, then that tells me, oh, it needs to go a little longer uh, or taste. But with the um, particularly that going back to the the sauna in mm-hmm. there, it's like yeah, basically. I have these big bags that I'll just lift out <laughs> like, <laughs> and then walk right into the room, dump it over, and it's just, yeah, like fresh rice out of the Instant Pot that's just, and it's like, you know, over 100 pounds of that rice. God. So it quickly just, like, you can't see the inside of the room from the yeah. outside because there's so much moisture. <laughs> and then after it cools, then, yeah, it's, you know, working at 95 to 100% humidity at like 100 degrees. And you so, were, you were saying that the room and the way the room was built it, that that has a lot to play with that humidity mm-hmm. that you have in the room, um, helping to control that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you want for for koji to grow, it needs heat, uh, air, and moisture, and so it needs you know about human body temp temperatures to grow, and then you need. Uh, a very humid, swampy environment. I wouldn't say swampy. It's not like, not like a sauna, but it is. Uh, it is moist compared to like your house. So we're looking at seventy to eighty percent humidity somewhere in there. Um, but that wood just helps it trap and release that humidity slower or more slowly. Um, so I'm not having to like pump in uh, moist air into the room. To, to do that kind of helps regulate itself mm-hmm. well and you've got a 
gorgeous mahogany table that's everything's getting tossed onto. It, it's, so when you first see the table, you're like, is this a rack or is this some kind of sex thing in here? Like, is this <laughs> is this a wooden sex room? Like, I mean, what's my, going on? My thought was a giant D and D table, but. I'm a nerd. So. <laughs> I mean, I thought <laughs> to that each too. Their own. I mean, <laughs> my my first thought was like, "Wow, this looks like a big, awesome custom table." And so I'm like, "Oh, did you guys get this custom made?" And then my my second thought was, "Oh, but the person who could make this could definitely make a kick ass gaming table." <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd say so. She's a local artist. Um, we were lucky enough to uh, talk to Brandon up at Brooklyn Cora, and he shared the information about their coaching table, and that's where we originally saw. This uh, this thing and I'm it's just beautiful. Theirs was really nice and we went to someone we knew was very talented. Her name was Anna Gregory. Um, she's out of Midway and we approached her about it. And she was super excited because it's like you know commissions like this you don't really get. This is just totally <laughs> unique. How often does someone come up and say I need a table to make koji rice on? And we go, yeah, yeah. Especially like you know something that's made out of mahogany because that's not usually an often used material. Yeah. And she was like, I have some pieces of mahogany I've been holding on to that are beautiful that I'd love to just use on this. And we we're like, hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so it just worked out really well um, for her, and she nailed it. I mean, the thing is, it's beautiful and it works perfectly. So yeah. So uh, it, now, why why exactly does it have to be mahogany other than it looks and smells amazing? <laughs> Well, it's like being in a hot and humid environment, I didn't want the wood to rot. I mean, fair. Yeah. So yeah. Um, as far as like, in the, in, we wanted a neutral kind of uh, rot resistant, like high mm-hmm. humidity wood. And yeah. so that's where mahogany came in. Otherwise, like like I was just mentioning before when we were in the room that after I add the koji or I turn the koji, my mask smells like cedar. <laughs> so it's it's pretty aromatic and we did, we didn't want that flavor to leach into yeah. the sake even though it probably would be amazing but we just didn't want that <laughs> not every batch no not in every batch <laughs> not so e- not everything has to taste like a barrel yeah <laughs> but don't, yeah. the irony of me saying that is pretty <laughs> pretty severe but but yeah we wanted uh, like a neutral wood that we could hold up to the conditions of the room yeah. and that's why mahogany came in i'm sure there's other woods but but that's the the one that we chose. Yeah, and it looks great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, koji rice. So that is what you're using to kind of generate the enzymes that can break. <coughs> excuse me, break the starches in rice down to sugar. So, but that's not the only rice you use in making sake. It, mm-hmm. It's part of the the ingredient, but you use more steamed rice mm-hmm. along with that. Yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about that. How much and and where. Yeah, so a lot of the, the nice thing about uh, with some sake recipes is all volumetric. So it's like 20% of the total rice is your koji. Uh, you can go more for a different you know, flavor profile or less, but usually about 20% of your, to- of your rice is koji rice, and the rest is just freshly steamed rice. <laughs> so that, and then in addition to water, um, you're looking at about out of, out of your total rice that you're using, including the, you know, the rice to be steamed and the rice to be kojied, you're adding about 130 to 140 percent water. Okay. Uh, so it's it makes it like really easy. So it's not like, all right, if I'm doing, you know, with like beer, like you know this much percentage or you know this much is my base malt, and then like these. One percent, half a percent, or this, these different grains and a different ratio, or different roasted grains or whatever. So it's, yes, I'm saying it's, it's easier, but that, yeah. So that's 
pretty much the recipe breakdown, the most simplest. You breakdown. have pretty much a base, mm-hmm. a base ingredient list that you can go off for everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then we can, I mean, in that too, you can play with different rice varieties to give you different flavors, different uh, yeasts, and different koji strains. Ooh, so, I had not even thought about the different koji strains. Yeah. I was just thinking one one yeah, koji. One, but, oh. one koji fits all. Yeah, <laughs> apparently not. <laughs> it's it's one of those things like, you know, all uh, brewing yeast is like Saccharomyces cerevisiae, but right. there's hundreds and hundreds of strains, and it's, you know, with uh, koji, sacram- or, um, aspergillus orosa. Re- ah, sorry, getting tongue-tied. Uh, aspergillus orosae, um, it is... There's, you know, many, many different strains uh, since it's been domesticated. Yeah. So. Each each sake yeah. brewery, I'm sure, has kind of raised their own variety of it, just like we've, we've got, you know, uh, all these different breweries that have their own strains. Yeah. It, it probably comes from each brewery being their own. Yeah, there's some regionality there. But, yeah, for the most part, like, most of the koji comes from four different places in Japan. Really? They, that has it banked. Uh, okay, so much like yeah. I, I see the the gator you're wearing today is the White Labs gator, and so yeah. much like we've got White Labs here in the states, you would have a, a bank of koji mm-hmm. uh, spores. Yeah, that says the koji uh, koji gateway or the uh, gatekeepers rather. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, so, in sourcing your ingredients, uh, just to touch on this, you are using American or rice made mm-hmm. for the American. Uh, use i guess but then your your spores are coming directly from japan mm-hmm. um what about yeast wise are you using like a just a standard l yeast or a, a sake specialized it's a, yeast it's or? a sake yeast. okay yeah and it's we get that from a uh yeast supplier here in the states okay uh, bsi awesome. oh yeah yes yeah. um but yeah we it's a sake number nine yeast and I'm sure in your time that you spent experimenting over the last few years, what was it about that yeast that kind of, or have you, have you tried the other um, yeast strains out there? What was it about that one that you really liked? Well, really in the U.S. there's only two that you can get. Okay. There's, I think, there's upwards of like 18 or 20 different yeast strains or more in Japan, but uh, they're not banked here or uh, we'd have to get them straight from Japan. Yeah, and I don't, I don't imagine that would be cheap. Live cultures, yeah. direct. Would it wouldn't be cheap, and it wouldn't like it just wouldn't be very practical yeah. in terms of like planning out batches and and whatnot. So, like, it takes you know a week to grow up the yeast from Colorado mm. to get it to us. So, mm. okay. um, but it's really only number seven and number nine are the two most like commercially produced yeast strains, and so. We, sorry about that. <laughs> You're okay. Um, we started with number seven just because it was the most available. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we yeah. tried number nine when we could get it because White Labs, it's seasonal. Uh, ah, okay. So that's where, you know, we tried the number seven. We did, it still made good sake. We just didn't like the that flavor profile that it gave. And because um, that one you get, bubble gum in terms of like and also banana and some other fruity esters yeah Yeah. that that sort of belgian-ish character yeah Yeah. it wasn't as clean as uh number nine what we got out of nine nice yeah and so we like that cleaner profile uh it also is much more uh it's much more expressive in the esters so you get things like melon and cantaloupe honeydew like things like that nice 
Um, I, I know we've got three bottles here in front of us. Is there? Ooh. Do we want to have a drink now while we're Let, let's talking? get one sure. cracked and yeah. going? Yeah, was that? Yeah, do we want to start with? Uh, yeah, we'll start with the the messenger, which is our our Junmai. So they are capped and bottled, uh, but they aren't like they're not really pressurized inside there at all. No, they're okay. not carbonated. We uh, we pasteurize them all. Pretty much all sake is pasteurized unless you have something called anama. Um, because of the enzymes that are in the koji, they'll just keep they'll just keep breaking stuff down unless you stop <laughs> so. them. So we really have to pasteurize something to kind of arrest that process and to stabilize the flavor. So I can just, uh, it could be recapped or corked after mm-hmm. you've popped it. You don't have to pop it, and you're like, well, I'm committing to this whole bottle. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty uh, oxygen-resistant, too, compared to wine and mm-hmm. beer especially. It, it can sit, you know, if you pop it, pop a bottle open, you can put it in your fridge, and it won't really change much in flavor for a few weeks, probably. Wow. Oh, okay. That's great yeah. to know. It's not a... Not a Pringle situation. Once you've popped, you just don't stop. <laughs> well, you could, <laughs> but I mean, you don't you have can, to. But yeah, I mean, we, we put ours in 500 ml bottles, so I mean, it's not too much for someone to take down. Yeah. And what's the uh, what's the ABV on on your traditional sake? Fifteen percent. Fifteen. So now we get the great radio moment of <laughs> everyone. Everyone like liquid has been poured in front of us. We've all agreed we can drink now. Oh. Mm. Uh. Mm. so talk a little bit about about this specific um varietal Uh, what would i say there style yeah yeah i say style so junmai um what is what is junmai as far as sake is concerned so in sake junmai just means like all natural it's kind of like all natural so it's like all rice Okay, basically. pure rice. Pure so rice. no additional yeah. alcohol added in mm-hmm. at, that, no. at that stage. Yeah. Okay. So it's just pure rice, uh, koji, and yeast. Um, but, um, yeah, so that all all of our sakis are junmai in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, this this is more of the classic, like, filtered junmai Because it is clear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we use 70% milled rice. Uh, so that... that a lot of the sake styles in Japan are based on their tax system, and so they're not really like styles, more or less grades okay. of sake. So Junmai and the, the higher-end sakes, Junmai, uh, I wouldn't say is the lowest, but it's it's at the bottom, and then you go up to like Ginjo, which uses 60% milled rice or less, and then Daiginjo okay. is 50% or less mill rate. Okay. Um, and then because of that, they do have some distinct flavors, pro- flavor and aroma profiles to it. Um, but since we use seventy percent uh, milled rice on ours, uh, there's that Genmai. And what um, kind of what would you say as far as your flavor profile for the Messenger, which is what what this one is? Um, what are kind of the flavor profiles that you get out of this? I'm getting some some bright fresh fruit, type yeah. green apple. A little I get bit. Not savory. A lot I get like deep savory, like seared seared steak kind of. I was gonna say yeah, and I was getting a lot of a lot of like I wouldn't say uh, like a lot of fruit, like a um, what's the one I'm thinking of? Uh, Cab. Cantaloupe? Cantaloupe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get a lot of melon yeah. out of melon, this. Melon, yeah. Yeah. So what about the uh <laughs> the weird person? Okay, yes. Let's how much like red uh like uh, uh Campbell's tomato soup is this? 
That's only Vienna lagers. I got, it it was much sweeter than I anticipated it being. Because I don't, either I just don't recall what it tasted like, or I wasn't able to actually have the sake when we did our episode. um, Because of the whole baby thing. Um, (laughs) You know. Uh, but yeah, m- much sweeter than I thought. I'm definitely getting the melon mm-hmm. situation. Uh, cantaloupe specifically. After you said that, I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not getting a lot of the savory bit. Um, uh, also a little bit of pear, mm-hmm. oddly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm very much enjoying it. Yeah. So. So uh, no, no weird flavors this time. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> we'll wait till the next one. You, you, yeah. The, <laughs> sorry, yeah. we make fun of Brittany for. Uh, uh, She's uh, probably no, a super taster, but at this stage, we just <laughs> make fun yeah, of her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The baby did weird things to her, like it did. (laughs) That's why Casey started cashing in on. He's like, "So I've got to know. I need to borrow your super taster." (laughs) (laughs) All right, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, I was just saying, uh, there are a lot of different things that go into the flavor of sake. um, As far as you have like the esters, you have those fruity notes we're getting. Sometimes people, you know, kind of associate that with sweetness because those are fruits and fruits are sweet. Um, you get uh, the savoriness that he was talking about, uh, the umami character that you get, and that is from Koji, and so that mm. adds a richness and a depth of flavor. I actually just got that on the last bit of that. I just yeah. Down. So that like, that explains kind of like it all then. So it's the Koji that's really given that flavor yeah, in this. And it's I guess like mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's very earthy mm-hmm. mushroom. Um, if you ever smell, I mean, with when I'm making the Koji, you'll get like a very earthy mushroom chestnut oh. like <laughs> aroma out mm. of it. I mean. Um, that, that would make sense as it's mold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that it because of the cocktail of enzymes that it's that it's producing that breaks down the the rice, you're gonna get a, a bunch of different flavors and you get that savory umami that you taste in a lot of Japanese and Asian cuisine mm-hmm. that translates into that too. And, and Brandon, like you were saying, you know, you get that perception of sweetness, but this uh, really has no sweetness left in it at a certain yeah. point, like actual sugar as mm-hmm. far as those those things go. Yeah, as far as sakis go, this is a, a this is a dry sake. So we, yeah. we, li- we tend to like the drier stuff um, and that reflects kind of like our our brands and our style there. You can have some sweeter stuff mm-hmm. um, but ours are dry and like the wine world would be like dry off dry in terms of that classification a menu on that one <laughs> <laughs> i i cannot handle all this the super sweet stuff yeah yeah uh my you know i do like one and and i'm sorry if i'm dropping some some uh, the henna waka the mm. pink bottle you get at all these sushi restaurants as far as like sweet sake goes that's the only one that i'll go to like that that's mm-hmm. kind of the only direction but um man uh, that's really nice. It's refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's one of those things that's kind of, it's a small glass, but <laughs> I, I, I feel like. I feel like that's a critique. N- I feel like. <laughs> it's a small glass. Talk about the glassware because I feel like it needs to be bigger personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When we, when we, uh, right now we're drinking out of, um, they're called seishu cups or sake cups, um, but they're, they're very similar uh, in terms of like size to the ochocos or the the ceramic cups that you get, but these are like two ounce, yeah, yeah. I think cups. Um, but uh, you know, like every like Justin was saying earlier, like every drink has their own glass, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so uh, depending on like if you're drinking something that's real like umami forward or richer, you have one type of glass, or if it's delicate and refined like a ginjo or daiginjo, you have like a different kind of glass, but. 
this one's probably the best rep or gives you the best representation of like pretty much most sakes. And, and uh, really like you know you've got a big bowl so you get all the aroma kind of collected there. It's also I mean if you're talking fifteen percent, you probably shouldn't be slamming these back in pints. Yeah. No. But <laughs> <laughs> but it also to get it, it's for like a mouth texture too because with the richness and the umami, uh, the richness and umami that the koji give you you get like a nice tactile like experience mm. when you when you drink it with like a wider mouth cup so nice so i think we had left off in the sake making process at <laughs> toss it of making koji and yeah. then so mixing that with freshly steamed rice mm-hmm. um do you cool the rice before you add the mm-hmm. koji to it because otherwise i'm sure it would, it would kill yeah um the koji that's there yeah you want it you i usually cool it to about 100 degrees okay. fahrenheit um, and then as I'm like kneading it into the rice, it cools down to about uh, 80, 85 degrees. Okay. Is it's moving around, getting air mm-hmm. circulation on it finally. And yeah, and I want those spores to like, get you know, in. get all around all the rice. I just don't want it on the top layer. All up in there. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, then that gets wrapped up like a big moldy baby diaper. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you tuck it away for a little bit until it grows. And then once it starts growing and goes through that exponential phase of growth it starts generating a lot of heat Mm. and so then you got to like physically like break it up and knead it with your hands otherwise it makes a mat and so you're putting the fresh rice with Mm -hmm. the koji rice all together and letting it do this after that that so this is like all the whole volume of rice you're going to use. Oh no, this oh, is okay. only so like 20, twenty. Yeah. Oh, okay. So this is just for the the koji rice side just of things. Okay. But just awesome. if it's in that thing for a while, it starts to generate its own yeah. heat mm-hmm. and exothermic now, and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, once upon a time, we had gone. Me and Casey had gone to an event where they taught us about how to homebrew sake, which is where most of any knowledge I have about. <laughs> we we had a, a <laughs> the one hour session. It was the only <laughs> way I learned what the word koji was, and I was like, oh, that exists. Okay, uh, but. That guy had spoken of like you know he's like he would just generate his own koji like he it's mold he just kind of keeps takes a little bit off and then he'll he'll make some more out of mm-hmm. out of the thing. Uh, is that feasible at this scale to like cultivate your own or is it just better just to get a whole? Big it's usually just easier to buy the spores. Yeah, because they'll they'll grow it up and like it it. Gives, it you we could do it. It's just more time consuming. And it wouldn't be as consistent. Yeah. 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 That's let so a lab they, take care yeah, of it. Yes, they're exactly. much better at like getting consistent like koji than I would be. So I'd rather just buy the higher quality product it's and use something that I know behaves the way I know it's going to behave. <laughs> as much as I want to dive into like the genetic drift of koji in this process, I know I'm going to lose a lot of folks on that one. So we'll we'll pass over my my Ted on that one, but. Um, it's like when we pass up uh, depletion stories in our news episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, nothing gets gets us excited like that, but everyone else is like, no, no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, taking that, Koji, and mixing it with the fresh rice in one of your larger – is that when it goes in the, the open-top fermenters? Mm-hmm. Is is that that stage? So that with water and, and how anything else? What, what goes in there? Yeah, so basically the, the uh, it's very similar to – whiskey making in terms of the mash and the fermentation are all happening in the same vessel uh, but once the koji's done then we'll put in some water add our koji um, yeast and then fresh steamed rice and then uh, during that process we're going to step feed it 
uh, just because we want to grow, we want the yeast to grow up in terms of numbers and health before we just dump everything in there. Because then they won't be able to handle it and they'll get stressed and then you're going to get like a sweeter sake. So you're kind of like as as you you make a small batch and then add to that small batch some more yep. um, some more ingredients I guess everything except for the yeast uh, yeah. more water more more koji at that stage mm-hmm. okay yeah and more rice and yep. and kind of keep that adding in mm-hmm. to the process yeah so we do like three feedings and that's uh, the um, the the mashing process yeah so you start off with a smaller volume and then you double that volume and then you double that volume to get to your full full volume <laughs> it's a lot of doubling but <laughs> but yeah you're 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 step stepping up the volume and uh the ingredients with each with each step awesome um so it ferments out right so in this process you're you're taking the the koji is taking the rice's starch turning it into sugar while at the same time the sugar is getting turned into alcohol mm-hmm. right so uh, to me, coming from the beer world, that's crazy. In my, <laughs> it is my crazy. Idea. Uh, like, how did you, uh, you... You told me a little bit earlier about how you measure the alcohol through the whole process and, and know kind of where you're at. But uh, talk a little bit about the, that fermentation process and the, that co-ferment... Uh, is it co-fermentation? Or Multiple parallel fermentation. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. that's the word that was made up to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> it is very different. <laughs> because, yeah, you're having multiple types happening in concert or parallel with one another um like you said yeah you're getting sacrification and fermentation like at the same time and and juggling that is you have to be able you have to measure that along the way to make sure that everything is happening in it's like a homeostasis or you know nothing's the koji's not because you don't want too powerful of a koji uh, or too many like enzymes rather mm. Uh, because then you get a high dose of sugar, and then the yeast can't like keep up with it. Uh, you want you want them in balance with one another, more or less. So you want the enzymes to be breaking down starches as the yeast are consuming them. And, and this is just, uh, I think, more personal than anything. What's the sugar? Is it malt? It's not maltose at that stage, is it? Or is it maltotriose? Oh. Uh, it's so these yeast can. Uh, they can ferment maltotriose. Okay. I think they are. They they can do that. Um, but yeah, it's it's like a. I think all of the above. Okay. <laughs> maltose. The simplest is going to be glucose. Right. It'll eventually get there. But yeah, there's going to be you know higher chain sugars that get converted to lower chain sugars hmm. throughout that process. Bless my heart. I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so after you are done with the fermentation process, it's time to kind of separate. And, and one of the things you showed us was how it thins out quite a bit during the mm-hmm. fermentation process. You go from like a oatmeal consistency down yeah, to... Yeah, like wet oatmeal down to like milk, like yeah, almond yeah. milk uh, with a few chunks in there. Just breaking down all those starches into alcohol. And alcohol is, of course, much thinner than the, the starch, but mm-hmm. um, it, it's it, that, that process is really interesting. Once you get to that point where you've got less solid matter, I guess, to, and more liquid, you've got to kind of separate those two. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Yeah. So b- the, after the mash is done, uh, there's still a lot of like undissolved rice solids and bits in there, and then bits of koji. Um, and we need to basically get the liquid per- ver- uh, the liquid portion out, and that's the sake. And so we use a press, mm-hmm. just a lever lever press. We load it into small 
smaller bags, stack them on to- top of one another, and then just squeeze them. Is the <laughs> simplest way, yeah. Hear, I hear a lever, and I'm just picturing like someone standing there, just going heave, heave. <laughs> uh. But it's just—it's basically a uh, a metal rectangular box, and in Japan they're called funes, which means boat. Uh. So it's like our big steel boat <laughs> that we load all of our sake mash into, and squish it out, and we're separating all that undissolved, you know, uh, uh, rice bits and yeast, all the lees and yeast cake and all that and trying to separate out that liquid and so that will get pressed over the course of two days uh, to try to get as much sake as we can out Um, and then it goes into a tank to condition Uh, and then because the the filter uh, the filters are not it's like a coarse filtration Mm -hmm. at that point and so there's going to be some solids that make it through Um, and then we'll condition it, let that settle out, and then uh, take off the settled part, and that'll turn into the messenger. And then, which we, I guess we can go ahead and open the uh, opalescent right now, but that's the nagori or the hate, the cloudy part. And so this is the only one of these I haven't gotten to try yet. Okay. So I'm looking at this going like I am very intrigued. So and you can sell this as your New England hazy. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're gonna dry hop some sake here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're gonna use like Japanese hops for this, I'm assuming. Uh, oh no. I don't like sriracha. Oh. I don't know. No, we're, we're probably gonna do <laughs> some of the the bangers like you know citra galaxy yeah. Ooh. Um, oh yeah oh pretty interesting thing with sake and hops is uh the hops react in the presence of oxygen and they turn it pink so what? it's really yeah. neat looking it and is so weird. yeah we're all uh, right I'm down. I honestly <laughs> thought you were joking when I heard dry. Then I was like, no. "Oh no, okay, no. Oh, hell no." <laughs> I mean, I'm down. <laughs> Gonna double dry hop some sake, okay? Yeah. And that's, I mean, uh, I think that's probably where we'll go towards the end of this because there's, you know, you've got two what I would probably consider more traditional for whatever that means in my uh, two very traditional sake styles types here. One uh, a clear sake, one a, a cloudy nigori. Is mm-hmm. that correct yeah. on that side? Um, and then. The next one is something that I don't think I've seen anywhere else before. Of course, I'm not big in the socket world, but uh, one of those things that I think would be pretty cool. I'm real excited to get back to that last one, but also yeah. this is real good. Uh, <laughs> sorry, but yeah, so they, the you know the solids mm-hmm. that make it through the press and into the tank, you can mix those up, and that makes another type of sake, which is called nagori, which just means cloudy mm-hmm. or hazy. Um, didn't but even know that existed until <laughs> until I came down here the first time. I was like, oh, hmm. all right. I was like, like, yeah, we have three different kinds. There are different kinds. All right. Um, sure. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the and you can control that amount based on, you know, how porous the bags are. Um, but that, that little bit that makes it through just gives it a different uh, sensory experience. Because you've got some of the undissolved rice, like solids and starches and and koji that makes it through, and gives like a unique mouthfeel. Mouth. I was gonna say yeah. it's got a very different mouthfeel, which is and it's nice. the same sake, it's the yeah. same batch. It's yeah. just just a little less filtered. Yeah, <laughs> and you'll, you'll get a little bit more sweetness out of this one than our messenger yeah. as well. I could see that for sure. Um, and is that because some of the 
some of the sweetness kind of hangs on with those starches a little yeah, bit. Yeah, when you have the solids in solution mm-hmm. like that, they tend to carry yeah. that. With I think them. it just tricks your brain. Like, <laughs> yeah. you're chewing on something more, and there's the fruity esters and stuff. It's just so your brain says, yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a lot of weird in my brain, too, because it looks down, it sees white, and it goes, milk. And it goes, mm. not milk. <laughs> it uh, tastes like, and, and this is a stupid, this is going to be a stupid thing to say, because um, it's a rice-based dessert, and I'm like, well, Does duh. Uh, the, the the dessert that you get at like the Indian restaurants and I can't remember the name of it to save my life but that's what it tastes like that like rice yogurt kind of dessert what uh, is the name of that it's gonna drive me crazy <laughs> I'll look it up but that's what it tastes like <laughs> to me it, but it's really good um yeah so uh, that that mouthfeel really actually changes quite a lot in I think the way you um, perceive everything on the uh, even though I, I feel myself drinking it a little bit slower enjoying that mouthfeel a little bit more than than the one before uh, but I enjoy that a lot that's really nice that that viscosity yeah, um, yeah. helps things hang on a little bit longer I think. oh yeah and you know we played with that with the the third sake we're going to be tasting we're kind of playing with that whole creaminess aspect yeah um, the the weight of it to carry the flavors through and you know we're going to really be playing around with that um Turns out nigori is not really popular in Japan, <laughs> but it's very popular in America. I, I was going to say, it <laughs> <and laughs> so feels like it's much more popular here. <laughs> yeah, so we're definitely planning on really exploring that uh, with, like, you know, culinary inspirations and doing different flavors with it. So Nice. Um, next time I go to Whole Foods, I expect to see this in the, like, the oat milk. Rice milk. We need rice milk, but Hard this style. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's an Indian rice pudding, and I'm yes. going to say it wrong, but kheer? Question mark K K H E E R. Yes, mm. that's what it tastes that's like. That's how to me. I d- generally describe it. It's like rice pudding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say like when you were trying to like that rice dessert. You mean pudding? <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I was assuming you're looking for a more specific word than that. So I was. I was looking for the actual. Yeah. yeah. So what what have we as far as the process goes? What have we not talked about that's kind of important? Pasteurization. Uh, pasteurization. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Because that's. So everything here is pasteurized. I think you mm-hmm. said right. Um, and that is because the flavors could change over time. Um, mm-hmm. It denatures the enzymes. What else, like what are we looking at? Yeah, really, the the, the enzymes because they're ex- exogenous, uh, they're just going to keep working. Like even th- with the koji gone, they're just going to keep working, and um, it will alter the flavor as you age it. And so pasteurizing is just going to denature all those and kill and destroy those enzymes. So unlike in brewing, one of the reasons you boil is to denature the enzymes. Here, you pasteurize because it's happened after that that whole fermentation process to get rid of that. Yeah, I mean you're you're also making it, I guess, sterile or like shelf stable. Yeah, shelf stable. It's, yeah. it's basically just shelf stable. We're stabilizing the flavor um, in the bottle. And that's pretty much the standard across all sake uh, most sake mm-hmm. most uh there are so there is a different kind of sake it's called nama it's just unpasteurized uh and it's it's a livelier drink because um, you're getting and, and it changes over time so even after the pasteurization process it does change the flavor a little bit mm-hmm. but it just keeps it stable at that mm-hmm. at that point it may change it a bit but it's not going to change from there on nice um with these, they're all still. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think when you're talking about sparkling sakes, mm-hmm. uh, what <laughs> I see a, a smile. On. So is that a is that something in the sake world that's kind of like eh, it's it's kitschy or is that uh, okay? No, I mean Brandon, 
you know, step in if yeah. I miss something. But we're we are experimenting. There is a there are I guess like two kinds of sparkling sake. There's like the low ABV, forced carbed, like very crushable, like flavored kind of sake. I mean, so yeah, and then that's that's kind of hip in the world right now. <laughs> just just change out the starch that you're using to make the the alcohol at that stage. Yeah, yeah. They're they're not really technically sakes. I'm not sure because you can only so to well in Japan to classify it as sake, you can only use water to dilute it. You can't add anything else to it. So the CO2 would be a so yeah you'd have to do something like uh, there's a, there's a couple examples you can get over here where they are actual sake and they're sparkling but they're uh, kind of more like our um, our opalescent they have rice solids in there they kind of capture the process and and bottle it and so it's still fermenting almost gotcha. because yeah, okay. you're not allowed to add more sugar to it or anything like that you could possibly break some more rice down with some koji and add to that and then you know kind of like a method chip and wah or yes, something yes, like yes. that yes and we're planning on doing uh, something very similar to that we uh, have some french oak riddling racks uh mm. we're definitely gonna do method of champagne on some but oh. i mean we're not in japan so we can kind of <laughs> play with it <laughs> yeah. yeah nice um so next up well is everybody finished up um the the coffee nigori so that one is a reanimator I'm assuming the reanimation aspect of it because it's got Herbert West yep. reanimator. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my like the um, oh I forget the the movie the like 80s or 70s movie that they did. Uh, yeah, I can't remember the actors in it. Oh, that's it's terrible. Yeah, it was that's on, one of it, my favorite. It's on movies. Netflix every yeah. Halloween. Yeah, that's <laughs> one of my favorite movies, and that's where yeah. So reanimator because it's the coffee is very invigorating, and and whatnot, and keeping to our you know. Lovecraft roots too. Lovecraft <laughs> sci-fi horror themes. Yeah, that's where we came up with the name. Um, so uh, is this something that that you saw out there? You had tried out there before? Not, or? No. So <laughs> it kind of we stumbled on it. So like we were, um, we basically so to make our sakes, we fermented up to you know seventeen ish percent alcohol, and then we diluted down with water. So instead of using water, we diluted this one down with cold brew. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just so happens our, our neighbor over here is Nate's Nate's coffee. Okay. And so uh, we just I, we had I don't know if we really had any inspiration from anything else. Uh, um, we did do the uh, I guess during the pandemic uh, they did the beta testing of that Amazon Explorer. Yeah. So we we were yeah. kind of we we did this thing where we did like a virtual tasting of a, a Japanese like sake bar in Tokyo. And it was really cool. Cause there's a few of us just sitting on a couch and you kind of, <laughs> they take you over to a guy who does like a virtual tasting with you and you get to ask him questions. It's very private like that. He doesn't really get to see you, but you get to see him kind of thing. And uh, he was explaining to us, and this was after we had made this, the sake that it is actually kind of um, popular in Japan to mix uh, coffee with Nigori sake and put it over like ice. And that's like a brunch drink, and we were just like, "Oh, that's awesome!" We like because you know we kind of came up with this idea on our own. It just kind of helped us, like you know, like validate like our idea was actually something that has some wings, and you know, Japan's got this the cold coffee in cans that's really cool. You can find in you know most vending machines, train stations, whatever, which uh, I think is really neat. So combining that coffee aspect and the, uh, just like you were saying, uh, that's really neat. This is a can. This tastes just like a canned cold brew latte. 
Like that's exactly what this is, only with uh, some ABV to it. Yeah. I am yep. I am very happy with this. <laughs> yeah, this has been a surprise. But I mean, we knew it was pretty neat, and but we weren't expecting the reception. Like everybody really loves this. So. Oh, the, yeah. yeah. When I came in to, to buy stuff for the first time here, uh, uh, Joe was mm-hmm. back there, and he I'm just he's like, he's like, oh yeah, we've got these three, and I'm like, we've got this one here, and it's got you know coffee. He's like, I mean, can I try it real quick? He's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, give me that. <laughs> give me that, and and I'll take the I'll take the messenger too. So, you all are open right now Sundays mm-hmm. for a bottle pickup, correct? So that's kind of right now as you're you're getting uh, started up and getting everything kind of for your not really a tap room tasting room <laughs> tasting room, tasting yeah, room. Yeah. as you get things set up and and ready to go um, Sundays from what time. 12 to 4. 12 to 4 is usually the go-to. Do you need to pre-order anything before you come and pick up? Mm-hmm. You no. can if you want, but no. Yeah. Okay. You can pre-order. Uh, basically, you can order online on our website, um, and then pickups are when we're open on Sunday. Gotcha. And then, Or you can just come in person mm. and then sample and, bu- and purchase. Um, so what about uh, <clears throat> do you have a grand opening date for like to set like, hey, this is going to be when the, uh, the bottle room, tap room, tasting room, whatever – you're going to lean toward like when it's going to be open and inviting for yeah. guests to come in and imbibe on on premises. We have a loose date. It's not an official date yet, but it's going to be probably mid-May, I would say. Yeah. Also, yeah. Yeah, we have a a few things we have we did not anticipate having to do like build out a second bathroom. <laughs> um so we're just in the middle of doing that and uh, as soon as that gets done that's really the last obstacle we just get a couple of people to come in sign off on some stuff and we should be open we love yeah. our regulatory agencies yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> all hail the bureaucracy yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um all right now, uh so you know discussing like you know, you've done the the thing with coffee are there any other uh new new ideas you guys are working oh, on yeah. for mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I think the next flavor, the one that was a huge hit when we did it, um, when we were doing smaller batches, was a horchata one. So we do <laughs> we do vanilla and cinnamon, and you get these little flecks of cinnamon that just And, and you get perfection. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it looks so cool in the glass, too. Oh, it, vanilla seeds and yeah, everything. It's it, just like, it just looks, yeah. it's, just, it's just good. It's really good. <laughs> it's um, just uh, we're probably going to uh, try and do some more um, uh, R&D on a matcha one. Mm-hmm. So or like be, tea or floral or, mm-hmm. you know, floral type. Yeah, like spice or ingredients, I guess. Teas. So yeah, and maybe maybe use a uh, local honey. We're looking, we're thinking about that for just a little bit of back sweetening to kind of enhance that. You know what you would perceive as like a sweet or a, a, a green tea kind of drink. Is it the same um, at the the federal level since you're registered as a brewery for the feds? You can as long as you keep like fifty percent of your, um, like when you you're doing the honey that mm-hmm. that's only yeah. a. a a small portion of yeah, it, so you're not necessarily yeah. having yes, to do a wine yes, license yeah. at the state level. We're, I mean, at the, the federal level. We're fine adding ingredients like that. It's all TTB approved. Um, as far as, like, sake goes, it's, like Justin was saying earlier, they just really don't know how to define <laughs> it so well. So we do have a – federally, we have a brewing license. Statewide, we're a small farm winery. Um, <laughs> yeah. We're going to apply for a brewing license mm-hmm. in the state so we can actually – we're planning on getting a rice lager contract brewed for us. Nice. So we're just going to have, like, a little smasher on you like, know, on tap here. You may call uh, the guys at Urban Artifact if you get some real weird stuff there because I know they've been fighting uh, a lot of federal – they have to deal with the state of Ohio, but uh, they're using so much fruit, and they're making beer technically, but then a lot of places <laughs> want to say you're using so much fruit, it's we're calling it a wine, and they've been caught up in a lot of – Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, so we haven't run into that yet. <laughs> yeah, good good <laughs> stuff there. Uh, I have a question, not, well, it relates to sake, obviously, but like, it's not relating to what you're probably about to ask. Um, cause, so I was looking, because I get distracted, because whatever, uh, I was looking up sake sets after we were talking about the glassware, <laughs> <laughs> like you do. And, uh, and into Japanese tea sets. Yeah, well, no, that was just in there, I think, but uh, because Etsy. Uh, but... Um, and a lot of the, so one of them had a candle in it, and I was, and, and it brings me to the yeah. question, hot sake, mm-hmm. yay or nay? Like, is it a preference thing, or is it like, no, you're supposed to do this? It's it's more of a preference yeah. thing. We we tend to want people to enjoy our sake first cold, mm-hmm. um, or you know, cooler than you know your average. We tend to prefer it around 50 degrees or so. Um, it gets a little bit more expressive as it warms up. Uh, we have had it warm or hot. Um, it's not, you know, it's something we're definitely going to be doing, especially in the colder months. But mm. as far as in general, we want all of our sakes to, we'd like them to be consumed on the cold side. Okay. Yeah. So that, yeah. I was just interested about that. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's uh, a, I was going to say, it's, it's a, there in Japan, there are like, I think 12 different like class or like classifications of like hot sake or like con sake. <laughs> and they're all like, Within two degrees Celsius of one another. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's not like it's like oh, oh, yeah. it's it's a. So you have like slightly chilled, and room temp, then slightly warm, then slightly warmer than that. But um, but each one, like at each level, it does express itself differently. Because um, we've had in the winter, we've had uh, sake really like where you can like barely hold the cup like hot in the winter, and it's very nice and like. Uh, I guess refreshing or cozy feeling, I, but like it's comforting, comforting. comforting yeah. yeah um, but yeah, like uh, we've had the messenger uh, warm or like slightly above room temp and it, it does get very expressive in mm. terms of like the, the esters and the fruitiness of it. So mm. are we to the point where we're going to switch over from bourbon hot toddies to sake <laughs> hot toddies? Yes. No. Ooh. I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> a pretty good idea. Um, yeah, that's one thing we're, you know, so the biggest thing for us, I think, going into the market is the education aspect. It's a very foreign drink, you know, <laughs> obviously, uh, to explain things to people and to, to, you know, show them like how it's special and why, you know, how they should enjoy it and like, you know, what to look for in it. Um, that's that's a huge part of what we're going to be doing. But another thing is, you know, sake is actually just really good at making cocktails. Uh, it's a good component in those. So. Uh, we've definitely already, you know, approached several bartenders around town to experiment with the sake, and that's something we're planning on doing when we open up here is to have sake cocktails, because um, that's just another way for people to get into it and then be like, oh wow, this is pretty interesting, and and then from there, you know, explore it further. Uh, currently, you all are tap room only, or well, uh, the it's tasting room only distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, any plans to get into shipment or anything like that? I know Kentucky's weird right now. Um, well, on well, we do have a distributor yes. mm-hmm. that we that uh, does retail sales. So um, we we're in Louisville, Lexington, and Northern Kentucky. Uh, we're at Party Source. Okay, that you can get us there. <laughs> so the Cincinnati peeps can can get us. Party Source <laughs> is a quarter mile away from our apartment. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, hell yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Brown we bag it on the way back home. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, we we do have a distributor that um, that does you know send our sake out and retail and who is the do you, are you able to yeah okay. it's uh nolan distributed okay. distribution they're the ones that were with shell uh, it was the shelton brothers so he was yeah. he he was originally at dauntless and they uh they ended up going out of business um 
he decided to start his own up. And so he is basically going to be picking up a lot of the pieces, though, as far as um, he's getting a lot of the Belgian beers in, like the, the Dre Fontaine, the Cantillon, Cantillon. all those Somebody's got to pick up that Shelton Brothers yeah, slack. Exactly. So he's going to have that uh, coming into his beer. Right now he's just doing wine, focusing on wine. He has uh, awesome. us, uh, Wisebird Cider, and another local winery. Uh, Silver Springs. Silver Springs, yeah. yeah. So from there, you know, it, it's, it's great because, you know, we're actually – good friends with him in real life uh you know not professionally we're just you know buds so uh he's he loves us you know and it's really nice to have a relationship like that with somebody who sells it because they actually give a crap about it and it's not just you know numbers on a sheet of paper absolutely so, uh we're really excited about working with him and moving forward with that and we feel like you know it's a pretty open market for us obviously being the only craft sake <laughs> brewery yeah. in the state and yeah so i know right now on the website uh bob and i probably know him as Justin. Uh, we know him as Bob. Uh, he and I have already um, joined the, the the club or the, the group that you've got. Oh, um, the, the oh, fellowship. Yeah. The fellowship. Yeah. So I didn't realize how we're both fellowship So members, yeah. uh, talk a little bit about that because if somebody's wanting to support you, I feel like that's a great way to do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, the fellowship, uh, we, we filled out all 50 members, so we'll see maybe I, next I may year. Be, I think I'm in, I may not be in group one. I might be in group two or three or something for – for signups, but I know I like I immediately went. Oh, I'm signing up as soon as they give me a spot. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's just for us to try and because we're a winery, like mm-hmm. I said, um, we can do a wine club, which is really pretty unique. Um, you know, being from our craft brewing background, we can't do anything like this. So we're definitely exploring that avenue of it, where we can tar- have a target audience that actually does get like a discount on sake. You know, and there's you know other perks of just you know we're having events only for fellowship members. Uh, you get custom glassware you know pins it's just a fun thing to really kind of like celebrate the the idea of the void and the eth- you know the myth mythos of it and all that so um you know of our little cult i was, yeah, I was thinking like D nights at <laughs> yeah, this point yeah. you know <laughs> oh D night down at the void yeah. how many cults am i in uh, <laughs> it's not a cult and i say no, at least not at uh, least not one because well, it's hashtag not, not a, cult. a cult hashtag not a cult yeah that's a that's a joke I'll explain sometime. <laughs> so what, what, you know, as far as folks coming out supporting you right now, Sunday's coming in, buying from, from noon to four. How else can they kind of support you? Um, do you have a hashtag or a, a, a kind of a social media that you like to promote on right now? Uh, yeah, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Um, but as far as hashtags go, we, we have a bunch. Yeah, There's we always do uh, hashtag Void Saki. Yeah, hashtag so Void Saki. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and then your website address, what is that? Uh, thevoidsake.com. Awesome. And uh, on there's our online store. We have a little bit of merch. We're going to be getting a lot more as now that we're, we're kind of starting to open up and getting some money coming in by selling some sake. Yep. I keep looking um, at Justin going, I want one of these hats. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're, have, they're coming down. We, yeah, we got some coming. hats coming. We got some glassware coming very shortly. Um, we have shirts. We're going to have more designs, you know, as they, as they develop. Awesome. All right. What have we not asked today that you <laughs> think that we should ask you? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll probably uh, do uh, sake yeah. bombs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's if, the question. If I you mean, a- if you ask for it, we won't say no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, whatever way we can sell some sake to you know open people up to it. Gotcha. What is it? Is it soju? Soju. Soju. Have you all thought about soju? any soju? Well, there's soju and then there's soju. Oh. Soju's the Korean. 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 The Korean, yeah. 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 So shochu. Shochu. Yeah. yeah, that's not something we're. 
I mean, we, we wouldn't mind exploring that with a local distillery, but uh, we'd have to have a distilling license ourselves right, yeah. to really explore that. We, Our, yeah. we had some friends of the show that uh, uh, did uh, did some deployment in Korea. So mm-hmm. we, we got introduced to soju from them. And so we were like, oh, yeah. And then, and then there's a similar thing in Japan that is so... Soju is so much better in my <laughs> opinion. <laughs> uh, They'll love to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, it's it's a dumb easy thing to do, but it's like oh, just pour some sprites or soju, yep. and you're you're gonna be blackout yeah, in a little <laughs> while because uh, <laughs> yeah. that's uh, that 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 hides real well. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't wait to see more from you all. Um, yes. Especially yeah. going this creative with the coffee this early, and and you know not oh, just yeah. going straight out the gate with just your your traditionals. I love that. Um, I, I love the the idea of it, and so we just can't wait to see more from you guys. I've, yeah, and I've like we said, once we get the tap room up or the tasting room open, <laughs> say tap room, but tasting room. <laughs> which which brings actually a question: uh, Do you can you do keg to sake? I mean, is that yeah? yeah you could. We're we're trying to figure that out. So yeah. back backing up to the pasteurization process, we bottle pasteurize everything. We're trying to figure out how to basically bulk pasteurize on our scale. So we would basically take it from the tank pasteurize it on the way to a keg so mm. to make that keg stable yeah. so when you're talking about bottle pasteurization you're saying put it in the bottle then put it into your steamer maybe yeah or we, we uh, heat yeah, a whole bunch of water up and okay then, yeah. and then we cool Just it down after that okay yeah, so. awesome but uh but yeah once we you know get that going we'll we could uh have ke- like kegs of sake but um we're probably get, we're going to be serving uh plan on serving namas to introduce people into that and the unpasteurized uh, and namas are that's like the unpasteurized. Unpa- oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, just because it, it it is a very it's it's a different experience, and that might turn a, you know a lot of people on to that type of sake. But we'll also have we plan on doing some uh, ginshu, which is the uncut, uh, like 18 percent. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Unadulterated. <laughs> oh. yeah. yeah. By water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Which it's yeah that. It's it's a fun it's a fun it's a fun style to drink because it's very lively it's very aggressive I won't say <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not it's not aggressive as in like alcohol hot it's just a lot of flavors yeah mm-hmm. yeah see that all right no I think that's uh we're, we've we've had we've used enough of your guys's time yeah. <laughs> we appreciate that so much thank you for having oh, us yeah. in here yeah um, thanks for being on site. Um, and for anybody else that um, is interested, you know, three great sakes out here in Lexington, Kentucky, from the Void Sake Company. Yeah. Kentucky's only sake. I think you typically do a sign off. If you'd like to get some great resources, you can visit Have a Drink Show on uh, Instagram and Twitter. I don't know. None of us have anything. <laughs> I don't memorize it. I just say it off the page. Yeah, we have had three sakis. So, <laughs> said, excuses. You know, if you want to give us any feedback, you can use feedback at dr- haveadrinkshow.com or uh, Smoke Signals, the feedback page on the website. Uh, sandwich boards aren't super useful. We can't see them from where you are. Uh, and yeah, unless you're down here in the street. But all joking and fun aside, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. See, two of us know what we're doing. Ouch. Uh, so uh, you can check us out in another couple of weeks for the next live episode uh, or or, or another next, week, actually. Yeah. You know, whatever, guys. Uh, it depends on when I get this edited and put up, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> so uh, 
usually every other Saturday on twitch.tv slash have a drink show. And uh, once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. We're joined today by Justin Levine and Brandon Fox with the Void Socket Company. I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>